Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 115 of the show. My name is Evan. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you this week, man? Uh, short. Well, we're right back into this after the midweek episode, recording this on a Monday MLK day. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of good games happened this weekend. A lot of upsets. Um, we saw a sacking of a manager. Um, we saw a rebound of a club that a lot of us thought was kind of dying out. Um, I don't know. Premier League wise, it was pretty good. We got AFCON going on. The group stages are happening. Um, I saw a couple articles. They're having like the FIFA Pro Awards, yep. like the yearly Big awards. Pro. Um, I saw Mendy won goalie of the year. Um, at the time, I'm sure everything else has been awarded at by this point. So congrats to him and all the other winners. Um, and uh, Lamillas got the. I saw Eric Lamilla got the Puskas Award for the Rabona goal against Arsenal. I did. So I did. See that, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. There's a lot going on. Um, we, we're going to recap two midweek game or four midweek games this week, and it'll uh, wrap up this these this two part episode, I guess. Yeah um okay so let's go ahead and jump right into this um we have brighton and crystal palace who drew 1-1 with each other uh connor gallagher opened the scoring pretty late on in this one the 69th minute joaquin anderson there was an own goal um that leveled brighton so an interesting game i mean brighton really um we're pretty much on the front foot for the entire time 19 shots four on target and 64 percent possession uh palace on the reverse end just three shots one on target with 36 uh, percent possession and i really thought that that palace would come out and play here i thought this would be a, a better game than it was um i don't remember if i took a draw i think i, I probably actually did take a draw if my memory serves correctly um when i listen back you you up front talked about palace like you have a feeling about palace in this game and then you start talking about a draw so i initially took you saying a palace win oh okay well that's fine um i was wrong in that case but uh, I, I i did think maybe when we were starting to talk about it that it could end kind of any of three ways uh draw not really surprising in this game I just don't think Palace have the venom up top to always get it done. You know, when they do come out, they really come out. And when they don't come out, there's pretty much nothing. Uh, in a game like this, you have Olise, Edward, and Eze up top. There, that's a lot, that is a lot of venom. That is a lot of power. Um, but if the guys don't show up, then you're not going to get the result, really. Uh, there's just not a ton otherwise, or besides Connor Gallagher, um, in this team. You know, it's your three front guys and, and Connor. Um Otherwise, you know, it's just kind of mediocre. And Brighton, I think, probably not thrilled with a point, looking for more um, going against another team that's sort of in the middle part of the table. But I'm sure both teams will take a point and not be too disappointed. Well, Brighton are king of the draws. That was their 10th draw in the year. So they played 20 matches and half of them are draws. So that's literally what it's been like Brighton in the Premier League. They just get by by earning points here and there and i think crystal palace is has a more dangerous attack like you were saying they can be hit or miss but brighton's always a miss because they only have 21 goals scored in 20 games so that's one goal a game on average maybe a little more but they dominate the possession we say this every week they're fourth in the league in possession but they rank bot uh 
fourth from the bottom in total goals scored this year. So they just don't have guys that can bury chances away. And, and at some point, they don't even they can't even get the ball in those dangerous areas in the first place to finish. Um, they had to get an own goal on the 87th um, from Mupai to equalize this. And I think Graham Potter's done a nice job with this club. He's kind of grown into it over the past four years, whatever, however long he's been there in his tenure. But they just don't have the quality in that team to make themselves a, a stable top 10 club, in my opinion, when it comes to Palace. Obviously, a lot of guys were missing. Um, Eze's back. He's just not match sharp yet. This was only, I think, his second game back. Um, having him and Alicia up there, two younger guys with Edward, kind of the vet up there, uh, just didn't work out. And Gallagher was in the right place at the right time for his goal, and that was their only shot recorded on target. So um, I think Palace can be can be fortunate with this point. Um, there was crazy VAR going on towards the end of the first half with a penalty given and then Butland saving it um, and then potential cards being given. Like, it was a crazy game, and we don't even... Like, this was a Derby game. I forget it was, like, um, something highway or something Derby, um, whatever one of the, the, the main roads are called. But, yeah, it, it lived up to, to a Derby-type game, but... Um, I don't know. Brighton's just a really weird team this year. They control the ball but can't finish. And Palace is a team where um, they sometimes show up and they sometimes don't. So, and these are the two my two worst teams when it comes to un- picking a, a game. And I somehow managed to pick the draw here, which was crazy. Um, only two two of my correct picks this week. I went two and six. Evan went two and six. And Zach went four and four, and we're we're going to include these next um, four games we're previewing in those records. So um, hopefully, can pull out a six and six. Yeah, we're gonna have to clutch up to get that six and six, but I'm hoping the same. All right, let's move on. Manchester City one, Chelsea nil. Um, this game really, I thought was pretty even, um, for for quite some time. I think the Chelsea defense actually held up really well until KDB broke through in the 70th minute for them. Um, Ex-Chelsea boys should always be noted. Uh, They let him go, but at that point, he really wasn't producing anything. So I can't blame them. In terms of statistics, 11 shots versus Chelsea's four, six on target. Chelsea's one and 56% possession for City. It should be noted that Romelu Lukaku did, in my opinion, maybe squander a really solid chance on goal by trying to pass it out to the right, um, give somebody else a little bit of a sweatier, easier finish. Um, I thought that Chelsea could have could have gone ahead here or gone ahead at, at that juncture. Um, I think he looked a little better. I think Chelsea, in terms of offense, you know, they had more of their guys back. Um, Pulisic actually playing in a position somewhat familiar to him out on the right, but still, you know, towards that winger role. Um, I think Chelsea looked better here. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Alonso and Aspie playing wingback, um, just because of their pace, you know, neither of them are super pacey. Um, the other guys are, are, are much, much better, but I think they did a job here. It's a little unlucky, but you know how you really can't stop City. You know they they broke through against Arsenal, however many weeks ago that was, in a game where Arsenal really dominated them. And this is just how they are. This is how they are. They grind results out no matter how tight you play them. And if you don't put your chances away, they're they're gonna take all three every single time. 
Yeah, now that's 12 straight wins in the league for them. They're approaching what they did last year with, I think, 15 straight, um, just about the same time um, of the run happening. So um, you can basically say the league's over with um, who's going to win it. City sit 13 points clear of Chelsea and 11 clear of Liverpool, but Liverpool have a game in hand and still have to play City. So you're going to have to bet everything on Liverpool to somehow pull it back, but um, it's probably not going to happen, especially now that like right now without Salah and Mane, they're really, really, really going to have to run the table until they get back to have any, any seem uh, or any sense of a chance in making it a competitive finish. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Lukaku, like you said, had a great chance and you pay all that money for him to put those away and, Right after De Bruyne goes up the other end, his uh, fellow countryman, he and he just buries a, a clinical finish. Yep. Um, he always scores against Chelsea for some reason. It's one of those things where, um, not even just against Chelsea, it's all former players usually score against their um, uh, past clubs. So, yeah, uh, he had a sense for it. Um, I thought Kepa did a good job. Um, Kovacic had a moment where he uh, made a bad pass back and Kepa came up huge against Grealish. Um, was fair to say. I wasn't too worried about him. He hasn't been in the best form playing in this squad. And Sterling's had a an emergence once again, like he did at the very beginning. So now he's back into form. De Bruyne is back in there. He's healthy. So um, his chances are limited out there. Now that Mars is away, he's going to get it. But uh, he needs to do something to keep it now. So... Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's it ended just how almost all of the past couple years of these two teams meetings goes. It's a one nil low scoring affair, um, and it's just a tactical battle between those managers. So now I think it's three three to two Tuchel uh, against Pep right now uh, with the, managing these two teams. So we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll meet in the Champions League again. Who knows? But. Um, yeah, I don't know. A little upsetting. Yeah, I mean, if you meet if you meet City in the Champions League, you guys will probably win because City seem to only be able to win domestic tournaments. Um, that's the one thing that they've been chasing this entire time that Pep's been there. And honestly, it seems at this point that maybe he's a little bit cursed. Um, I, I had this conversation the other day with somebody. I don't know if I can ever see Pep winning a, a Champions League with Man City. I mean, his time there is coming to an end. Um, I think yeah. he's going to be moving on soon, you know, regardless of sort of what happens. It seems like to me that they have this season wrapped up. Um, but I think Pep's maybe a little bit tired even of just winning the Prem. Um, this would be his third or fourth title if he wins this one, I believe. So I think if they win this year, I think it's four four out of the last five years. Yeah, I mean that's that's extremely impressive. Uh this is the best league in the world. Uh, I don't really think that's arguable. Um, the most competition, the the hardest playing um, conditions, and really just overall the the best quality of football. So to win it four out of five years, um, and you know I don't want to jinx him, or maybe I do want to jinx him, but um, yeah, it seems like you know City have pretty much everything wrapped up. Okay, let's move on. Talking about getting wrapped up, Rafa Benitez out at Everton. Uh, Norwich City 2, Everton 1. What a disaster. A Michael Caine own goal in the 16th minute brought a Norwich ahead. It was just the 18th minute when um, Adam Ida scored as well. 
That had Norwich up 2-0 heading into just about the 20th minute. It wasn't until the 60th that Richarlison struck back for the Blues, and by that time it was far, far too late. Um, Norwich came out firing, man. I think they looked actually really good. They had their, their well, really good for Norwich, um, that should be said. They had their foot on the gas pedal for once, 14 shots, three on target with 40% possession. Everton really, I don't think, were expecting uh, Norwich to come out the way they did. But they did, and they looked really solid compared to recent weeks. Um, Everton sort of gathered things up towards the end, started to play a better style of football, but really just not enough. And at this point, you know, you did get a little bit of, of Richarlison in this game. You got some DCL. Damari Gray is in there. Aaron Gordon's pretty good. Or his name Aaron? No, it's Anthony Gordon. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> Anthony Gordon's been good for them in recent weeks as well. You have Ducore and Gomez in the middle of the field. I mean, defensively, maybe you're not at your best. You lost Luca Digne, but this team is decent enough. Um, they, they probably shouldn't be losing to Norwich, and here they are. I think they've lost, like, something out of their last eight games. I think they've lost six or seven. Uh, so that's really, really bad. You know, they are they are well and truly in the mud at this point. I believe Everton are in 16th place, just six points above Norwich City, who are in 18th, the top yeah. drop spot. And this is truly concerning. Uh, I believe they're going to bring Duncan Ferguson back in. If you, if you asked me, I would tell you that's probably what they're going to do. Um, let Dunk have a chance again to maybe get the boys riled up. I don't think that's a bad idea while they look for a more permanent solution. But my question to you is what was the point of bringing in Rafa Benitez? Because it, to me, it seemed very rushed and kind of like they just, you know, shot the shotgun through the door. They weren't really worried about what was on the other side. I think it was similar to last year. They bring in a, a man like Carlo Ancelotti with, with what his name is, carries a lot of reputation, and maybe they thought he would come in with an, the style he usually comes in with, with a Real Madrid, a Chelsea, um, a Bayern Munich. Like, um, he can shape a club to perform well, and it didn't it was short-lived he brings in Hamas Rodriguez and they leave at the same time it was just like it never worked out and I don't think it's the manager I think there's just something in that club that there's something wrong behind the scenes whether it's at the board level or uh, management training there's something there's just something that doesn't work and we see it time after time and especially after the last two years they get off to flying starts and then October hits and everything begins to fall apart. Um, I don't think we've seen them this bad, though. They're Like you said, they're only six points clear of the drop. Um, they're lucky they have games in hand over all those teams below them. And I think, like you said, they have a decent enough squad. I don't know if it's going to get them to, like, top 10, but I think it's just enough to keep them from getting relegated at this point. Um, it's very, very tough. You get DCL back, which is good recently, but... He's not match sharp yet, so I think Norwich for him would be a great matchup to come back, but he just looked awful, and I don't know. There's just something weird about that team and that club that um, they're talking about. Um, there was Roberto Martinez was going to come make a second stint at the club. Yeah. Um, he wanted to take that job while also being the Belgian national coach. Um, trying to do a FIFA career mode-esque thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, Belgium came out, the FA came out and said, yeah, that's not happening. So 
he's off the list. Like you said, Duncan Ferguson, Ferguson, uh, Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney. Um, there were two other names. I'm pretty, Graham Potter, and um, there's one more. But uh, whoever they're going to get, I don't think they're going to be able to solve the problem right now. It's going to be a relegation survival and. You know what? I think a name we haven't heard yet that could be a, a shout is Sam Allardyce. Yeah, <laughs> I know. The the man that knows how to not get relegated. Um, forget about last year with West Brom, but other than that, he, he knows how to keep teams up. Yeah, he certainly does. And, I mean, I don't think that's a long-term solution for them, but, I uh, mean, Big Sam, you know, he is the king of keeping teams up. Like Matt said, let's not think about last season. Um, that team was just abysmal. But, yeah, I, I don't even know if that would be a terrible thing. I mean, there's English players in that side that I think he's going to – he would be able to get a lot out of. And um, really, I mean, anybody's going to be better than Rafa. He just seems so out on the project before he even started there. Um, just a really, really bad appointment in my opinion. Um, so yeah. Everton will be looking to move along and hopefully move on up that table – they desperately needed, and I I don't see Everton getting relegated. I really don't. Um, but if they kept if they kept Rafa and kept playing and keep playing the way they do, um, yeah, you never know. All right, shall we move on to Wolves? Uh, Wolves defeat Southampton three one. Raúl Jiménez got his Wolves ahead in the thirty seventh minute with a penalty. Connor Cody added one in the fifty ninth. James Ward Prowse struck back for, uh, on a free kick, of course. Why would it be anything else in the 84th minute? And then Adama Traore, who literally never scores because he can't, scored in the 91st. Statistically, um, Southampton were actually the team that were on the front foot for most of the game. If you just looked at this, it would seem that Southampton were the better side, but I really don't think they were. Uh, 13 shots, 10 on target with 58% possession, 9 shots and 5 shots on target for Wolves. Um Wolves were really clinical in this game. That's not a word that we think of uh, when we think about Wolves. You know, they defend really, really well. Um, they defended well again in this one. You know, James Ward-Prowse is a bit of a free kick merchant. Uh, the guy is just, he does crazy, crazy things with the ball. He gets crazy deflections. He does really well to get the ball where he wants it precisely. A um, bit like a good iron striker in golf. And <clears throat> his goal went in, but other than that, you know, Southampton looked pretty toothless, I thought. Um, I think Wolves to come out here and get three goals is really impressive. One of them, of course, a penalty. Um, but good to see uh, Adama Traore get a goal. You know, you don't see that very often. And they did uh, have some substitutes in this game. You got to see Trincao and Potence as well. Fabio Silva um, <clears throat> and Luke Cundell came on towards the end. Uh, I thought this was a great game. You know, it was good to see Wolves actually get some goals on the board. Uh, I don't think that that's going to be a thing that we continually see, but Wolves would be in a much better spot if they, def I mean, they're in eighth, which is a great spot, but they'd be in a much better spot if they defended this well and attacked this well all season. So if they can continue this, that'd be great for them. Um, and if they don't and they continue to just defend well, I think that they're probably going to wind up in that eighth to 10th spot. Yeah, Wolves now back-to-back -back games scored three goals, which is, I think, the first time in, like, five years they've ever done that. They never score more than two in a game, um, and even that's rare. But, yeah, Jimenez with the pen was nice. Cody, I think, scoring, like, his second-ever professional goal, which is crazy. And then 
Triore, who we, I, me personally, I slag off a lot on the on the goals. And he's just a terrible shooter, but yeah. uh, cool, calm, collected, slots it in, and that Ward Prowse goal was probably goal of the season for me so far. That that the movement on that ball was insane, man. Like you could have rode that thing all the way in. There was no movement. It was that's like a tutorial esque video right there. You watch, but. Yeah, I mean, Wolves Wolves controlled the game. Like you, you said, the possession-wise game was Southampton, but Wolves pretty much controlled the flow. Five shots on target, pretty dominant. But um, yeah, I don't know. Southampton's in a weird spot. They they went back to um, that 3-5-2 to what um, worked against Brighton, or Brentford, excuse me, that we thought would, provide, would prove to do better for them, but... It kind of left them exposed a lot against Wolves. Wolves kind of picked those pieces or picked those areas off um, where they were weak. And um, I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things where Southampton's back to their up and down form now. They can't can't have two consistent results being the same. It's always one of the three every single game. It's it's inconsistent. And Wolves now three three wins in their last five um, is decent. They're they're clearly in that eighth position solid three points above brighton um and they're nipping right at that top seven right with right behind united so i think wolves is in a great spot um bruno lodge has kind of found a way to pick the same guys in and out and they're performing well and um i don't know i think it's well done from them yeah i mean i think these smaller clubs this is this is what you need you need to pick. Uh, look at West Ham's dominance, right? I mean, they lost this week, but look at them over the past two seasons, even pretty much the same team every week, um, getting the same same performances out of the same unit every single week, week in and week out. Um, that's how you're going to foster uh, a system where you can get a reliable result, I think. And to see Wolves doing that right now, like they did a couple seasons ago when they had that really good season, pretty much the same guys every game. And, you know, look what you're getting. You know what you can expect. And they're they're performing. So that's good to see. I think it's nice to see smaller clubs get that going. Um, always nice to see. Moving on, Newcastle 1, Watford 1. Alan St. Maxman, the best-dressed man in football, scores in the 49th minute to draw Newcastle ahead. Sadly for Newcastle in the 87th minute, Jal Pedro got on the end of one and drew Watford level. Claudio Ranieri's men share the points with Eddie House, Newcastle, Saudi United. Uh, Watford, I thought, looked really, really good in this game. 18 shots, five on target. Pretty much shared the possession down the middle. Only that one shot on target for Newcastle. Of course, the one that went in from St. Max. Uh, I think Newcastle actually lucky to get a point here. Uh, although they did score first, I just don't think that they're that they're very good. Um, new signing Chris Wood, they stole him from Burnley. Not up to too much in this game. It's crazy, man. Uh, Newcastle are just out there to buy literally anybody who's available. Uh, such a poor, poor game plan in terms of transfers so far. I truly think that they're going to go down, and it's just hilarious to me that they thought Kieran Trippier and and Chris Wood would be the answers. Um, right now, you know, you can't buy anybody else really. Um, but yeah, not, not a great result for Newcastle. They need points at this point. And this was one of those six pointers, like Matt said. And of course, you know, two, two teams split one, one and just take one point each. 
Yeah, watching this game, this was probably like the most intense game I've watched in a while. Just both teams scrapping to earn as many points as they can and rivals down there in the bottom just trying to survive. And Newcastle have scored the first goal in 10 different Prem games this year, but they've only gone on to win one of those six. The other six being a draw and three losses. Um, And they've dropped 21 points from winning positions in the league this year alone. Um, which is horrific. That that's going to be their demise. They just can't. They they do not know how to manage a game properly when it comes down to it. Like a lot of these bigger clubs do. They they get their lead and they just put it on cruise control. They don't do anything too dangerous or too risky. They just play the simple way. And Newcastle just don't have that mentality there under Eddie Howe. But there's still time in the window. They can bring in one or two more pieces. They have the money. They're good for it. But like you said, it's it's depends on who they bring in. So um, I don't think Chris Wood fits this style with how St. Max no. is. And um, when Callum Wilson comes back, they're probably going to go to a, a front two and push St. Max out to a wider position deeper in the midfield. Um, so that should be interesting when that happens. But I just don't think it's a, a winning formula. Um, I think it was awesome when Watford equalized. They panned over to Ranieri and he was... He was thrilled, uh, probably the oldest manager in the league. He was showed a lot of emotions in it, uh, in them equalizing. And um, I think that, that was Brighton's po- first points in a, in a while. They were on a, I think, five or six game losing streak. So um, that can really turn the tide for them and maybe potentially help them earn more points uh, in these next couple of weeks. But um, I think Watford should be the happier of the two teams. Um, going on the road, scoring a late equalizer is a is a hard thing to do, especially against um, all the, with all those fans up there in the north. Just, um, just they were so they were screaming the entire game. I felt so bad for Newcastle, but they just don't know how to keep a lead. Yeah, absolutely. No, they don't, and um, they're probably going to suffer and, and and get punished and go down with um, you know a fucking trillion dollar. Um, I don't even know what you want to call it. I guess it's kind of a hedge fund, really, that's running them. Uh, they're going to go down, and that that organization, I guess you could say, is going to take a massive hit. Do they care? No, probably not. Uh, but it's going to be hard to draw in players for Newcastle, who are, I, I would say, almost certainly going down. Uh, I'd have to check the odds on relegation, but I'm sure they're pretty high at this point. Um, okay, let's move up the table. Aston Villa 2, Manchester United 2. Bruno Fernandes, as they call him, uh, opens the scoring in the sixth minute here, adds another one in the 67th, two solid goals. Uh, Manchester United lead 2-0, heading into the, pretty much the embers of the game. In the 77th minute, Jacob Ramsey, Ramsey gets one back for Aston Villa. And then in the 81st minute, um, back like he never left, Philippe Coutinho. It should also be noted that he got an assist on that first goal. Um, so an assist and a goal for Coutinho in his first game back in the Prem in a long, long time. Uh, and he was a sub in this game. So making an instant impact upon entering the pitch. Uh, United coming out here with a strange lineup. Edinson Cavani, Mason Greenwood, and Anthony Alonga. The front three in this one. Fernandez playing out towards the wing and Fred as well. This is a different formation than we're used to. Uh, this wasn't the, um, what a, was it, a 4 triple 2 Yeah, uh, that was kind of organized in a V. This was, I'd say, a, 
a more traditional, um, solid lineup. And I think United actually played a lot better in this formation, but they couldn't lock it down. Um, you have Veron and Lindelof back there and Alex Tellez alongside um, Diego Delo, but they, they couldn't get it done when it mattered. And the teams now have to share points after uh, United led for nearly 70 minutes. I think that's just just really, really tough for them. Um, and again, United exhibiting the fact that they are just not where they need to be, uh, despite having spent so, so much money in the transfer market and bringing in players. The wage bills are obviously through the roof, uh, and they can't beat an Aston Villa side who've been struggling recently. It's it's bad, bad scenes in, in United. Yeah, no Ronaldo in this game, but he will be back for this Wednesday game, I believe. Um, kind of rotate, rotation in there with those guys. Olenga getting a rare start. Cavani, Greenwood, um, probably the first time we've seen that trio being paired up there for the first time. Um, yeah, hot start. Um, Bruno Fernandes getting the brace was nice for him. He hasn't had one of those moments in a, in a while since before Ronaldo, and um, it says United are unbeaten in their last 23 away games against Aston Villa. So that was pretty much set in stone from this game. Um, I think it ultimately came down in the first half where Aston Villa just came out flat in the first 25, 30 minutes. And um, it just set just set them back the entire game. They were chasing the entire time. And um, Coutinho coming in livened up the crowd and... I think that was a given in this game. You were going to see him. The fans wanted it. I think everybody in the home and away and the neutral wanted to see him play. And he instant impact right there. Um, it's great to see for him. He He's a guy that just needs to play more. Barcelona was a tough time for him um, going there with $140 million um, price tag hanging on his head um, with high expectations of of playing at a messy esque level, it just wasn't meant to be, and he's back where uh, he's back where he grew the most, really, and playing for a manager like Gerard, his former teammate, that knows him very well, is is a, a perfect situation for him for these um, next six months, and I think there's a forty million dollar option to buy tag on him, and I think Aston Villa, if if Coutinho can keep up these performances to help them climb up the table more. I think that's a, a, a no brainer to sign him. Yeah. Um, I, I'd probably have to agree with you. Um, Coutinho is actually one of my most hated players ever. I fucking hated when he was at Liverpool. Cause I didn't think he was all that good. I just think that the players around him were sensational. Um, yeah. and then, you know, he, he went to other clubs and then didn't play. And I, I felt vindicated because he wasn't good enough to break into those sides. Uh, especially after how much money you know he he really was paid when he moved away from Liverpool, but uh, I don't know at this point in his career, I'm willing to just bury the hatchet and and see what he can get done. If he's gonna knock off teams like United and their fans have been pretty much fucking unbearable uh, since Ronaldo's yeah. come back, they've been pretty fucking unbearable. Um, I'd love to see you know uh, Coutinho perform, and it was nice to see him knock United down a peg here. I'm, I'm kind of rooting on their downfall. Okay, let's move on. A team that I'm not rooting on their downfall, West Ham. Uh, West Ham 2, Leeds United 3. Jack Harrison, MLS Super Draft product, superstar. A hat trick in this one. One in the 10th, uh, one in the 37th, and one in the 60th. In between those goals, there was a goal from Jared Bowen in the 33rd, and one from Fornals in the 52nd. Man, this game was kind of back and forth for a while. Um, of course, it was 1-1 when Bowen scored in the 32nd. 
Um, Jack Harrison scored again right after. And then Fornals level again, 2-2. And when it was 2-2, I was like, okay, West Ham will get their footing. And they didn't. Um, Of course, again, in the 60th, it was Harrison. And from there on out, I mean, West Ham seemed to actually have a game plan after the third goal, but it was too late. Um, 15 shots on target, or 15 shots, five on target uh, versus Leeds, 18 and five. And the possession was pretty much split down the middle here. It was just interesting because Leeds actually attacked with some with some fervor here. Uh, they looked venomous. They looked really like they were just going to get the goal when they wanted to get the goal. And we haven't seen that a ton from Leeds. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, they looked better uh, the past five or six weeks. It seems like they have more of a game plan. And to beat West Ham here is a huge result for Leeds, and I think West Ham will be pissed that they didn't at least take a point from this one. Yeah, Leeds, after coming off that loss in the FA Cup to West Ham, they they come back with some emotion and um, put on a great show for everybody to watch, and they get three points where it mattered. I think they'd rather have won this game uh, than win in the FA Cup because now they their sole focus is the league and and survival pretty much because they're they're another team around that relegation area, um, nine points clear, which is which is a safe margin. But still, you, you can't slip up one or two games and then you're right back in the mix. But after a December period where they only earned one point in four games and. Um, it's now going, getting back-to-back wins in the league um, in both of those games, scoring three goals each. Um, that they, They've found a way to really to find themselves. And without Bamford, who we can pretty much chalk off for the year because I don't think he's going to be effective whatsoever, even if he comes back, because he seems like he's just injury-prone at this point yeah. for the remainder of the year. And a lot of guys are um, in their team. Um, we, we forget Calvin Phillips is out until March. Um, so they, they're really going to have to find ways to get these results against top-tier teams and and really earn those points against their similar competition in that mid-table area that they just need to get by until the end of the year to where everybody can rest. Um, there's going to be no World Cup in the summer, so everybody's going to be off. It's going to be a good time to really recover and mentally settle in because the season's going to come right back in August and that, that time is going to be crucial for Leeds, but they just need to get there um, some way earning points like this against a West Ham team who now lose that, the lead on points over all those teams below them. They're two points clear of Arsenal who are right behind them in fifth, but Arsenal have two games in hand. Tottenham only four points behind them have four games in hand. Yep. Unbelievable. Um, and the list goes on. Everybody below them has a minimum from fifth to 10th, have at least two games in hand on West Ham and could all pretty much pass them. Yep. Um, so West Ham's in a bad state where their fate's in other teams' hands now, whether they make um, Champions League football or not, which has kind of been the same story for the past two years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, We'll have, we'll have to see. Um, I, I don't think that West Ham had the depth to do anything in European football regardless because they just don't have enough guys really to, to swap we'll in. They they went 6-0 and in, in their group stage, and that's going to come back in February. So And now they're in a spot where it's kind of a thing where if you're Moyes, do you prioritize the league or do you prioritize European competition? Because if, if they win the Europa League, they guarantee themselves a spot in the Champions League. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and what I mean is I don't think they have the, the 
the depth to compete is I don't think they have the depth to compete in in both. Yeah, um, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah, you just you just have to really like push kind of your your team to one side when you only have a couple guys. I mean, look at City. Like City can't win both the the CL and the league and look how much depth they have. It's just so much um preparation and and you just need to have so much strength on the pitch and also mentally and in the locker room and I just don't know if West Ham are there yet, but We'll see. Um, they're certainly on the up and up, regardless of, of this performance. So we'll see if they bounce back next week. All right, Liverpool 3, Brentford nil. Not much to talk about in this one. Liverpool, of course, missing their main men, uh, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. Uh, Diego Jota and Alex Oxley-Chamberlain out there on the wings in this one with Firmino in the center. Fabinho got a goal. Uh, the Ox, Arsenal legend, also got a goal. Fabinho in the 44th and then... Uh, Oxley Chamberlain, the original AOC in the 69th minute. Takumi Minamino added one in the 77th when Bobby Firmino passed up a nice little <clears throat> opportunity and passed it on to Minamino, a youngster. Uh, so a really good result for Liverpool. I figured um, they'd come out and, and do a job here. Brentford just looking eh. Um, some news about Brentford. Uh, for those that haven't heard, they have offered Christian Eriksen a contract, believe it or not. So that, we'll see. Um, he is unable to play in Italy where his contract currently resides with Inter Milan because of a heart defibrillator that he has built in. Um, he would be able to play in the Premier League. So we'll have to see. I think that would be actually be huge for Brentford. Um, Erickson's got a little bit left in the tank. Uh, I was maybe not so sure of that after the injury. Um, but I think that... His, his determination to come back and play um, tells me that he's certainly got something to give, and he's not that old. So uh, that would be a great move for Brentford to get a veteran in, uh, a guy who's played in the Prem. But in this one, you know, lacking leadership and really just lacking um, any sort of vigor whatsoever. So a loss for Brentford and good three points for Liverpool. Yeah, this is, this is like how a normal result would be for... A uh, top tier prem team with a newly promoted team. It's pretty much went how you thought. Uh, chances, possession, flow of the game all went through Liverpool. Um, fortunate and to fortunately to be at Anfield with with uh, kind of a, a rotated team. Obviously, your attack is a little uh, taking a huge hit with your two main guys out, but um, those backup players all pretty much contributing Minamino and Chamberlain and Firmino all contributing up front. Um, the back line at full strength is nice to have. Matip not going for Cameroon is good. Um, it helps them solidify that back line, not have to rotate people in there that might not be up to par, especially in this time where results mean a lot to keep them in the title race if you want to consider them in it. Um, but yeah, I think the Christian Eriksen point is um is an interesting one we know thomas frank a dane has a lot of danish players in the squad and it makes sense because I, I i was gonna say with if if martinez went to back to everton he probably would have brought in a lot of belgian players because he talks to them all the time because he's the international coach so i think it makes sense for that and i think that'd be nice a nice touch um he probably wouldn't play consistently but with obviously with his medical history but i think him involved in that team is great because he's an experienced player in this league he's played for tottenham for several years to where 
Um, he, he was a key player for them, and he would be a key player for this team. I don't know if he would fit in that system that they play. Um, they don't really have a key attacking player in there. Norgard, kind of. He gets forward, but I just don't think it would be a good result, too, because um, their main thing has been scoring, and they just can't, they just can't get it going. So um, last thing I'll say is I did not see that AOC comment coming. I was still geeking a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, right? Yeah. Um, that, that came to me, like, I was just reading, like, I was looking at the box score, and I saw, like, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Like, that that's the original AOC, not the new fraud. This is the original. I used to love the Ox when he was at Arsenal. Um, kind of a little upset that we let him slip through the cracks, but yeah. uh, good to see him. When he when he scored this goal, I was like, oh, that's good. It's good to see uh, that he's getting a little bit of time, and we don't see him get a ton of time at Liverpool. But uh, What did you, um, before we move on to the previews, obviously the big game that didn't happen was the North London Derby. Yeah. What did you... What was your take on that with the, um, not having enough players um, with I've, the the verbiage of the rule is with COVID in, uh, injuries and all this stuff. It was mixed in there and and Arteta says they only had 12 first team players to pick um, and then Tottenham's response to everything on, on social media. Well, Tottenham postponed quite a few of their games. So let's p- get that out there. Um, but I will say, I don't think Arsenal had a legitimate claim to, to postpone. Um, and I'll tell you what it comes back to is the fact that one of their players got a red card in the FA cup, um, because he's, I mean, I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to like purse my lips a little here and, and use a, a, a kind word. Um, let's settle with moron. I think if we have Xhaka, we have enough people to field a team. And he decided that he wanted to kick somebody in the fucking chest. Like, an absolute freak. Um, that was the ninth Instagram apology that Xhaka's had to put out in his five years <laughs> at the club. No, literally the ninth one. Um, I wouldn't care if he got hit by a train. I truly don't want him at the club anymore. I just don't. Um, the whole thing comes back to him, in my opinion. The fact that an ex-club captain can't keep his fucking hands and feet to himself. Um, we'd have been able to field a team. And I don't think Arsenal have a legitimate claim. You know, in, in the rules, because they had one COVID case, um, technically you're you're allowed to ask for a postponement. It's up to the FA if they want to uh, postpone the game. And in this case, they did. Do I think it was a little bit of a shysty tin pot move? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I You know, I, I'm pretty fair. I'm a, I'm a very... Um, unbiased fan i would say I, I i don't like that they asked to postpone the game i also don't like that tottenham fans are out there acting like um you know they haven't been pretty shit all season uh you lost the first north london derby you're probably gonna lose the second one let's be realistic um but i think you know arsenal are actually the team that that are at fault here uh, what can you expect of mikhail you know you can't expect him to not ask for it but do i think it was shysty yeah, I do. Yeah, well, we saw them. They they played in that Thursday matchup against Liverpool, and the game that this game was three days later. And there are talks about pulling U twenty three players, but they played the previous day of the scheduled match, so you had all that. But they are going to play this Thursday, the second leg against Liverpool, and 
they have a good chance to get through here and, and play Chelsea in the final. Do you think that should be something they should be shooting for, or do you think it doesn't matter? Nah, I don't necessarily think it matters, honestly. Yeah, because you got a great next run of games um, in the league, particularly against yeah. Burn- Burnley, Wolves, Brentford, and Watford. So um, I can see nine points easy there um, and putting Liverpool in a great situation in that top four race. Yeah, absolutely. Or Arsenal. I think I said Liverpool by accident. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think we can move on now. Okay. Um, all right. Brighton versus Chelsea. This one is tomorrow. Uh, barring any shock COVID cases, let's just cross our fingers and hope not, because I'd like to watch a game tomorrow. Um, Brighton heading to Stamford Bridge. No, actually, this one is at Falmer Stadium. So this one um, is down on... Brighton's on the south coast, isn't it? Yes. Okay. They're right there on the beach. All right. Cool. So the Seahawks taking on Ch- Seahawks. The <laughs> Seahawks. The Seagulls taking on <laughs> Chelsea. I like Chelsea in this one. I think they come out. I think they get a good result here. Um, the offense should be in pretty much um, top Nick. Uh, I think that, that Chelsea have a good game here, and I think Brighton are pretty much due for a loss at this point as well. I, I was telling Zach this earlier when he gave me his pick. He's going with Chelsea to win this, but... Um, I was driving two days ago um, during work and was on the islands and in the middle of the road, I saw a dead seagull. So when I'm I'm thinking of the signs, like my man Jerry, I think that was a great sign right there. I think Chelsea here by by two. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm with you. I think by at least two. Uh, I like a ROM goal, and I actually... Uh, I think I like a, a goal from the back line as well. Okay, next one, Leicester City versus Tottenham. This one's going off on the 19th, just two days from now, Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. at the King Power. Um, I guess I have to take Tottenham in this one because Leicester are still down down tremendous with, uh, with injuries. Uh, they didn't play this last weekend, did they, Leicester? No, their game was um, postponed. I think they were scheduled to play Burnley, and I don't know what's. I'm on the 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 website we use the the fantasy league, and yeah, when we started the show, the Burnley Watford matchup was on here, and now it's not. So I don't, I'm trying to. Look oh, it, it got postponed. That game got postponed. Okay, I'm, yeah, I was trying. Yeah, that was. I thought you would have seen that. Um, I, I'm sorry. Yes, that that it, did it get updated as we've been recording. I was like, "What the hell happened?" I thought yeah. I, was, I saw something. Yeah, I'm in a Twitter group chat actually with somebody from Burnley. <laughs> He's a Burnley fan, and he he messaged us and said, it "Just said FFS uh, game postponed." So that's how I knew. Um, shout out, Mitch. But <clears throat> yeah, Leicester City versus Tottenham. I'm, I'm I have no choice really but to take Tottenham in this one. Uh, I like them to win straight up, and I don't know when uh, Arsenal and Tottenham got postponed to, but um, yeah, I think that Tottenham are going to be going a really good run before that game gets replayed. Yeah, Leicester hasn't played a game in, since the their FA Cup tie against Watford, where they won 4-1 back on January 8th, so this will only be their second game of the new year, and I think all that rest helps, but obviously no nobody up front is playing no strikers so it'll be interesting to see what they do they're heavily depleted in the back line still 
So I have to go with Tottenham here. I'm going to go with Zach pick Tottenham as well. So I think we're going to go with the road dog again. The sweep. Okay, beautiful. Brentford versus Manchester United is up next. Um, wow, this is literally the last game we have to fucking uh, preview <laughs> yeah. about it. Um, Brentford uh, are home in this one. This one's at Brentford Community Stadium. Hard place to play for some of the bigger clubs, especially earlier on this season. Um, but I like Manchester United in this one. They're only getting a 53% chance to win. Uh, draw draw probability solid at 25%. I think United, if they play, um, in that same formation that they did last time are actually going to be in good shape. I would love to see Ronaldo get the single start up top as a dead striker right in the middle. Um, not necessarily have to worry about whoever's behind him or, out on the flanks, I think a more traditional uh, striker role for Ronaldo at this point of in his, at this point of his career uh, would serve him really well. And I just think that United um, are going to do a good job against Brentford, who just lost three 0 to an underpowered Liverpool side. So I'm going to take United in this one. Yeah, I mean Brentford on their last two games have given up seven goals and have only scored one. So I think. The main thing is going to be if United can put their chances away early like they did against Villa. Um, I don't think it'll be a similar situation where if they go up, Brentford's going to um, come driving back because we mentioned they don't have the same attack forces as all these other clubs. So, And I think Ronaldo being back will be huge. Um, this will be the first time these guys are playing um, this season. And Man United are undefeated in 34 of their last 36 away matches. So... Uh, by that standard, I have to go with the road dog here, and Zach is as well. So I think all three of us are taking all the road dogs this this uh, midweek. All right. Wow. Okay, so that wraps the, the show up, I believe. Uh, we gave you our picks. Unfortunately, Watford-Burnley uh, has been postponed, so not going to get a pick for that one. I probably would have gone with Watford, too, if I had to. Um, yeah. But we will be back, I guess, on Thursday, most likely. Um, yeah, we'll see you for Thursday. Okay, cool. Uh, until then, guys, thank you for listening to this one, episode 115. Um, we'll see you Thursday. Take care of yourselves, and uh, see you later.